Today, we'll be joined by Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider, John Garcia. For the whole show, we're talking the regional recruiting battle between Florida, Florida State, Miami, NIL, and then we'll wrap up by talking about some of the Florida Gators 2022 recruiting class impact players, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. Just going to ask you to like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. Let me know to the show how I can make it better. Uh, Robin, don't worry. It's not just going to be you staring at my face for the entire 20 minutes. So sorry about that one. Uh, but now we're about to be joined by John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. We are joined now by John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Football Insider. And I wanted to talk a little bit about John because uh, we're at an interesting point now where we haven't really been here uh, recently where Florida, Florida State, and Miami are all the big three Florida schools. Sorry, UCF. Uh, But they're all the big three Florida schools, and they're all kind of in a state of flux, I guess we could say. They're all at different points of a, of a rebuild of sorts. Um, so I was curious, in your opinion, how is any school positioning themselves to find better long-term success in terms of winning these recruiting battles? Well, I think the issues in the state go for a lot of different angles and different reasons. Uh, winning is the first one. I think this group of kids, this generation of prospect, just hasn't seen success at these schools relative to schools outside of the state, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, the list kind of goes on and on. So I do think that perceptional development is the beginning of, of why it's a bit slow for you know the big three, as you said. Uh, and then coaching turnover, obviously different philosophies, different leaders, you know, think of Miami going from Manny Diaz to Mario Cristobal at Florida, obviously Mullen to Napier couldn't be more different. So establishing who you are as a coach, the type of culture you want to establish, and then by proxy, the recruit you want to target, much less bring in all of that takes some time. And I think, you know, that's why Billy Napier was really meticulous at the end of the 22 cycle and the beginning of this 23 cycle really kind of establishing himself with priority targets and then filtering down from there. There were several prospects in the state that I I heard Gator fans saying like, why doesn't he have an offer yet? But I do think there is some merit to coaches who are taking their time and actually evaluating the prospect uh, instead of just offering 400 prospects in, in the country and 100 in Florida feeling good about it. So I do think there's different reasons for slower starts on the trail. The portal's involved too. Uh, there's a lot of roster management issues that every coaching staff is dealing with. So that factors in as well. Yeah. And you, you just mentioned the portal and that kind of brings me to what else I wanted to talk about here also is uh, Florida recently lost a player that they were uh, competing for, I guess, in the portal due to NIL. Um, that, that was ultimately what it came down to. And so how has NIL kind of 
changed the game in high school recruiting and even transfer portal recruiting because obviously it's a brand new thing, July 1st last year. We haven't even had an IL for a year yet, and we've seen it make such a massive impact on sports and college sports in general, not just football. But how has it really impacted football programs, both recruiting and just building in general? I think in the high school recruiting department, NIL has begun to factor in. But with transfer recruiting, it's really 50-50, right? It's like traditional recruiting and the NIL combined. And that's how a lot of these kids are making decisions. And you can't really blame them. I feel like they're on a bit of a ticking clock. So NIL becomes a bigger factor in a potential decision. Uh, So it's changed everything in transfer portal recruiting, in perception with some programs. I mean, you hear NIL and your brain goes to A&M and USC and Miami uh, and Tennessee. It it goes to a lot of different places and not necessarily the places where you associate with winning or dominance or stability, like the schools I mentioned at the top of the segment. it really has changed that perceptional focus. Uh, and when you're talking about the portal itself, that's really important because in oftentimes these kids are going somewhere for a year, maybe two years before they're done. So that perception is important in the beginning stages of that decision. And I just out of curiosity, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. Um, are there any of the Florida schools, and we'll include UCF here, but are there any of the Florida schools that you feel have kind of separated themselves a little bit in terms of making themselves more attractive to both high school recruits and transfer portal recruits? It's still early. Obviously, when you get into the portal, I think Miami has probably done the best job in the state, but it's been the most public in terms of in your face, you know, Ruiz and some of these deals that have come out have been so public that everybody's taken notice. Uh, Really before this Jordan Addison to USC thing, Miami was kind of the, I don't want to say villain, but Miami is one of these schools that was looked at with squinted eyes nationally because of NIL, even though in theory, everything's done with legality. I mean, Florida is the first school that I remember coming out with a collective, coming out with kind of a concerted effort to combine resources and go from there. So I do think perceptionally, Florida's done really well in the NIL space but obviously not with some of the staggering numbers that we've seen at some of these other programs, whether it's public like Miami or more private like A&M, Tennessee, or, or USC. Yeah, that was, I mean, just the NIL space in general is just mind-blowing because, I mean, even in Florida now, you've got the Gator Collective, and then we recently just had the Gator Guard put in, which is basically high net worth Gator Collective that is just trying to change everything because pretty much they were like, hey, we, we are not competing as much in NIL as we thought we would. You know, Gator Collective, as awesome as it is, um, people feel as though it's not playing enough of a role in uh, in high impact recruiting like transfer portal players like Florida has desperately said that they need to add talent and add depth along this roster. So I'm very interested to see how it long how it lasts long term because we also know that now the SEC and the Pac-12 are getting together to try to kind of figure out exactly how to handle NIL changing the entire game of college sports right now. Yeah, it's about limits, right? And there really aren't any boundaries set. Uh, I've seen a lot of people use the bowling analogy with the guardrails that you use when you're not a great bowler. None of those are in place at this point. And I do think the Jordan Addison situation has become almost a tipping point in people saying, okay, 
He was right up against the deadline. He's a Bolitnikoff Award winner who was very stable and looks like, hey, he's going to be another, you know, ACC champion, uh, first-round draft pick. Like, everything's in front of this kid, and yet he still hits the portal with a ton of rumors and reporting around big NIL figures in the millions. So I think that's the one that really began to rub people the wrong way, even though the story is ongoing to the point where people are calling for legitimate action and immediate action regarding NIL. So where that goes, I don't know, but something does need to change in order just to regulate it and slow it down a little bit. The NFL draft has passed. The spring game is over. That means that it is almost summertime. And if you're still trying to get in shape, still trying to get fit, still trying to get that summer bod ready, add Built Bar into your diet plan. It's just way better to help you. I've got a sweet tooth, but the Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate, so it helps me there. Most bars have just 130 calories, just four net carbs, and a massive 17 grams of protein for just a little bar. Throw out the hidden stashes, Reese's in the desk drawer, Kit Kat in the cupboard. Get your washboard abs if you can. I don't know. I can't. It's just, it is what it is. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. And then we're going to shift gears here now to kind of go towards not not potential Florida Gators, but some guys who are already on the roster and some guys who will be here in just a short while now uh, by flipping to the 2022 recruiting class. So guys that are already, like I said, already Gators, uh, but starting off with the guy that headlined this class, uh, where do you land on Kamari Wilson, the IMG safety who was a five-star, committed to Florida, became a four-star, and broke the IMG curse for the Florida Gators. I think that last part in particular is really uh, big in the Florida Gators recruiting trajectory under Billy Napier. Getting into IMG is critical for basically every program in the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, I mean, even out west to the Pac-12. You got to get in with that school, and Florida has uh, really kind of puzzlingly been unable to break through there. So I think that alone was very big with Kamari. But look, this is a big physical in the box safety, an enforcer, uh, a leader, one of these rah rock guys who really changes your locker room uh, with that aggressive style that everybody kind of recognizes and appreciates. So I think on the surface, he is a culture changing secondary prospect uh, and an enforcer with physicality uh, and some ball skills to his name as well. One of these multi-year IMG guys makes a big difference to me as well. Not just kind of a rental, a guy who's really dug into that that culture and, and the coaches and the rest of the players there. And that could help resonate going forward because obviously Florida's going to continue recruiting IMG like everybody else. And do you think Kamari is someone who is ready to play right away? Because I know that we're at the point where everybody's making projections and predictions and it's getting kind of crazy. And... uh Kamari Wilson is someone who consistently, since he committed to Florida, fans have been saying he's going to be a a high-impact player almost immediately. I think it depends on the role, Brandon. You know, he's got those great physical traits. His instincts are A+. I mean, look, he was one of the top safeties in the country for us at Sports Illustrated, one of three SI99 recruits, Napier signed. So we are extremely high on the kid. But there is room to improve in the coverage department. You know, how technically sound is he in man-to-man coverage? Can he drop in a zone 
Can he play patient? You know, all these traits that counter his strengths, which are aggression, physicality, instincts. Can he balance that with some true three down nature, uh, push his pedal, things like that. So I know he was there in the spring. So obviously he gets a little bit more time in Gainesville to assimilate with Corey Raymond and those guys. So obviously well coached as well. But I do think in a specific type of role, he could make an impact right out of the gate because uh, everybody needs guys who could play in space and who could play physically. You're talking about someone who needs to play in a specific kind of role to find success has been in Gainesville. There's another player like that along the defensive line this time, though, that I'm a fan of. I like what he could do. And obviously we have Javon Dexter down here in Florida right now, but he's maybe gone to the NFL for this year. So Chris McLellan is a player that I, I think could kind of fill that role. But again, you're, you're the expert here. I think when you look at the big wins for Florida at the end of the 22 cycle, it's easy to point to the Floridians, right? Kamari Wilson. I mean, Shamar James was in Florida briefly, Dante Moore down in Naples. I mean, those are obvious. But when you go out of the region and you pluck somebody with SEC size, Big 12 uh, geographical leniency, it's a big deal. Uh, And McClellan was that for Florida. I think he's a true inside-out defensive lineman. You need bigger bodies who can rush from the interior. Florida's got a bevy of pass rushers to play that edge spot, but can you get pass rushing prowess on the inside, which is obviously just mathematically quicker, right? The, The quickest point from A to B is a straight line. So if you get a big guy who can play physically and quickly enough to rush the passer, it can change some things. And those are some of the athletic traits McClellan brings to Gainesville. So I would imagine he dips into this rotation sooner rather than later. I have this dream of just like Brenton Cox and Prince Lumen Melian on the side and then Javon Dexter and Chris McClellan next to each other and just, just go, go get the quarterback. I don't care what happens after that. But um, going back to the defense of the secondary, the defensive backfield here, there's a player that a lot of Florida fans are also high on. They love their DBs uh, in Devin Moore who is someone that I don't think will play this year. I'll, I'll say that I won't play much this year, but he had a strong spring. Gators fans love him. But where do you fall on Devin Moore and his skill set? There's always room for length and ball skills in the secondary. This is football in 2022, right? It's a spread out vertical game. So you need to be able to play at the apex. You need to be able to play those 50-50 balls, those back shoulder balls. Uh, or the jump balls in certain situations. And Devin is built at 6'2", 6'3", maybe, to play at that apex. Um, And that was a big recruiting win for Billy Napier and company. Now, I think positionally and technically, there's still some question marks around his game. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Can he play nickel? Probably needs to hit the weight room and build a little bit more from a physical standpoint to be ready for an SEC nickel-type role. Uh, think of a Trey Dean body type. But Trey was, you know, 180 coming out. And I think Devin is much closer to that. So if he is to assimilate towards that type of role, I do think, like you said, it will take some time. But if it's just about pass coverage, playing the football, instincts like that, I do think there's a role somewhere else for Devin in the secondary. So very curious to see how he develops. And then the, the final defensive player to talk about is someone that I think I've been higher on than anybody else in Gators media in a guy that you just mentioned briefly lived in Florida, and now he's Alabama and committed to Florida, in Shamar James. Well, we had Shamar James ranked, I think, as the number two or three linebacker coming out last year. So 
we're on your side with this thing, Brandon. This is one of the most athletic linebackers we've scouted in the last few years, a kid who is so perfectly built for the modern game, ready to cover a tight end or a running back in the backfield, just as much as he's ready to rush the passer and blitz or play that traditional off-ball linebacker spot, read, react, and come downhill to make a physical play. This is a true three-down linebacker. He's finally healthy, was really banged up as a senior, and maybe that hurt the perception around him and some of the scouting that went into the end of the 22 cycle, not to mention him moving around a couple of times. But when you put on the tape and you see him in person like we have, this is a physical specimen, a three-down, space-ready type linebacker who's going to make an impact very quickly in Gainesville, especially now that he's healthy. I think that was as big a win as any school had, period, late in the cycle. I'm glad you're on my side now because I've been the only one that's, that even before he committed, I was like, Shamar James, please. March Madness is over. Uh, the NFL draft is over. It's MLB time. It's NBA playoffs time. And if, I mean, it's just going to, they're going to break your heart. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. I've been using BetOnline for years. It's how I know tennis happens. Like, year round it's insane like there is no off season for those people but i get to bet on it every day so i'm happy about it it's not just baseball basketball football soccer tennis it's everything you want not even just sports reality tv award shows finances aliens invading politics there is everything you could want is on bet online just know that head to the website today or use your mobile device just so you know to learn all about the trends and action check out bet online it's where the game starts. But we're going to flip to the offensive side of the ball now with another highly touted recruit, and it was a big deal for Florida Gators fans when he signed. But Trevor Etienne, the running back, of course, his older brother was Travis Etienne with the Jacksonville Jaguars, used to be Clemson. But now Trevor is going to be a Florida Gator. Compact, balanced back, not necessarily a home run hitter, but that's okay because Florida fans – had a great run with Damian Pierce and several other backs in that mold over the last few years. I think Trevor is, is in that sort of mold, a little bit different than his brother. And I think that's why his recruitment was so highly covered early on and then maybe an afterthought later on. But this was a big one, too, for the Gators. There were a lot of other schools involved. Uh, the timeline shifted. It was really one of those that you kind of didn't know where he was going to go. So when he picked Florida, that was a very big win for Billy Napier and company. But I think you're getting a compact, balanced back, comfortable out of the backfield, comfortable picking up the blitz, just a mature game that you would expect from an NFL-type legacy uh, like ETN is. So maybe not the flashiest pick of of the litter, uh, but a guy who's going to come in and be consistent and potentially ready to play day one. I hope you know that now you just made me a big Trevor Etienne fan by talking about his ability to pick up the blitz because my listeners know this by now. Uh, if you are a running back that could pass protect, I love you instantly. So I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that with Trevor Etienne because that, that was, again, my biggest selling point for even Damian Pierce when we were talking about the NFL draft. I was like, you, you want a pass protector in the backfield. You take Damian Pierce and you, and you just let him play. But uh, there's another player who is kind of um, – Hot and cold, I guess, with fans and and just his recruitment was a little weird, I guess, with Tony Livingston because, you know, he was an offensive tackle, moved to tight end, lost a ton of weight to play basketball and did all that. But uh, where do you stand on Tony Livingston and what exactly did the impact of him moving from offensive tackle to tight end kind of cover? How did that impact his recruiting? Well, when you change your body style so much, it's going to bring new people in and probably push other people out. But that early commitment to Florida, 
I thought was big for Livingston and it kind of allowed him to do what he wanted to do. The kid always talked about playing as a, either a pass rusher or a tight end. It was really never about big, bulking up and playing offensive tackle for him, uh, but he's got the traits. I mean, you see the basketball stuff there. Now he's 225, 230 or so. You see the natural athleticism and, and that's what you want at the tight end position. It's easy to want to put somebody in a mold. Hey, this is an inline guy. This is a split out guy. This is an H back. I think Tony, because we've just seen it, he can kind of assimilate towards any one of those because he's got the frame, he's got the foundation and the athleticism to do all of them, depending on how big he gets. And we've seen him play at a much heavier weight and still play tight end and still play basketball and still play defensive line with success. So those big dancing bear types, you can just kind of mold into what you want. So if he's been all in on tight end from the jump, like we've seen, let him go there, let him start there and see what happens because you know, worst case scenario, he can bulk back up and move back to where some people still project him. Yeah, he, he's someone I'm excited for because, you know, Billy Napier is going to run the football. And if you're a tight end that has offensive line experience, you're at least a little bit further ahead than like a wide receiver moving to tight end, which is kind of what we have in the final recruit to talk about today in Arliss Boardingham, the wide receiver tight end hybrid that everybody wants to call Kyle Pitts. Um, <laughs> just a little high praise there and <laughs> just shooting a little too high there. But what is the general analysis of Arliss Boardingham? Can we just say he's not going to be Kyle Pitts, just to be <laughs> safe? Look, I, I covered Kyle Pitts in high school, and I was surprised at how good he was, how quickly he was that good at Florida. He was kind of a tall, skinny guy at the high school level. But you're talking about really tall, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Arliss is in the, more in the 6'4", a bit more compact build range. Uh, but he's heavier than Kyle was when he got to Florida. So if he's going to be this hybrid tight end wide receiver, I'd probably liken him more to a traditional tight end compared to Pitts, where we were like hybrid all the way, just split him out. It's going to be okay. And, and then he flashes and then here we go. And now a couple years later, we're comparing other guys to Kyle Pitts <laughs> and first round tight ends and all that stuff. So I'm not quite there, but the Californian has great ball skills and a great frame, just a different frame. I, I think we got to get out of the kind of lazy comparison, like, well, he's a tight end, he's tall, he's a hybrid, and he's coming to Florida, so Kyle Pitts. Like, it, it's not that simple of an equation, especially, as you mentioned, Brandon, in a very different offense in terms of what we anticipate under Billy Napier. All right. Thanks, John. This is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting. He's Locked On's Football Insider. Find him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore JR, and you'll see him again next week on Locked On Gators. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday with more on your Florida Gators, and I can't wait to talk about them. We're going to get back into talking about baseball and softball now. It's just the time to do it. Now make your second listen, Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy is there every single day bringing you the best news in the best conference. I mean, it, it's just, it's elite content. Just know that. Chris Gordy, fantastic. And Locked On SEC is a daily must listen for Locked On Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That's W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all Monday.